This is People Every Day. Coming up, Britney Spears' boyfriend breaks his silence on the popular new documentary about her life. Plus, HGTV star Tarek El Moussa's fiance gets a sweet but interesting new tattoo. And I catch up with legendary dancer and force of nature Misty Copeland. It's February 9th. Hi guys, welcome to People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Tuesday. It's, it's my brother's birthday. Can't forget to call him. Hi, Trev. Anyways, let's get into the news because there's a lot bubbling up out there. Later, I discuss quarantine life, love, and the strength of women with the incomparable ballerina, Misty Copeland. But right now, I'm here with executive editor and entertainment news aficionado, Kate Coyne. Hey, Kate. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. We're pretty good. But before we jump in, I, I need to take a moment for Mary Wilson, uh, the legendary singer and co-founder of the iconic 60s group, The Supremes, which also famously included Diana Ross and Florence Ballard, died yesterday at the age of 76. And as a devoted R&B fan myself, this one hurts. Uh, what was your favorite Supreme song, Kate? Uh, well, I, I, as, as you did, Janine, I had a baby not that long ago. Um, un unlike you, it was my fourth. So I'm surrounded here by, by little ones. So in, in this moment, I'm going to have to go with baby love. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, you will be missed, Mary Wilson. Um, Kate, let's talk about another singer all over our timelines today. Uh, Britney Spears is back in the news cycle this week thanks to a new documentary called Framing Britney Spears on Hulu that takes a pretty deep dive into her life and, and highly publicized struggles with fame and, and mental health. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about her in the wake of the documentary and her conservatorship. And now for the first time, we're hearing from her boyfriend, uh, Sam Asghari. So tell me a little about who he is and, and, and what he's saying about all of this right now. Yeah. So Sam actually is now even more in the news because he put out a statement uh, this morning, which was uh, somewhat surprising, really, because, uh, you know, he's he has a voice in the sense that he comments on social media about her um, and and is very public about his relationship with her. But um, to put out a statement like this, uh, in, in which he, he essentially stressed that they're happy together, that he loves her, that he's not going anywhere, that he's hugely supportive of her, and that, um, you know, he looks forward to having a normal, happy life together, uh, really does seem to be an indirect response to this documentary. So mm -hmm. Sam is 27 years old. Um, and so you can see perhaps why some rabid Britney, Britney fans are a little skeptical, maybe, of, of the relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. However, I, I think a lot of people are desperately looking for um, bad guys in Britney's story. And, yeah. you know, the, the big bad is, is Jamie Spears, um, is her dad. Um, you know, uh, certainly in terms of, of legal documentation up until now, uh, the, the free Britney folks focus on him a lot, but they've been focusing on Sam too. And so he has come out with this statement to basically say, uh, back off. We're happy. We're good. And I think the most telling word in his statement, um, was the word normal. Mm. Um, that, that he looks forward to a normal future together. You know, the yeah. Free Britney movement has really hinged 
on some pretty extreme storytelling. Yeah. And and I actually think that the reality of the situation is significantly more nuanced and complicated yeah. and multifaceted than it being about a, a bad guy locking her up. And Yeah. Well, that's what I want to get into, like, without unpacking the full story, because it is... It goes deep. Uh, what What is Brittany petitioning to do? Like, what's the status well, of her conservatorship? Well, in a way, she's petitioning to do a lot of things. And, and, and there's no easy answer to what's the state of it, other than to say right now it's intact. It's intact. She is under a conservatorship. And if you were to ask the, the Free Brittany folks what she wants, um, it's to be free. It's to be totally free and free from all of those constraints. But what that overlooks is this conservatorship was created for a reason. Um, and it's because it was very badly needed. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder how many of the, the free Britney folks really remember how bad it got when things were truly bad for her. Well, I mean, they're, they're being reminded now with this documentary. Yeah, exactly. And a conservatorship gets put into place uh, essentially because someone can no longer care for themselves. You know, uh, the idea of what you're conserving is you are conserving that person's life. You are, you are, you are propping them back up and, and, and helping them function again. Um, she made it abundantly clear that she could not function on her own, that she was grappling with issues that are simply mm -hmm. too severe. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like, uh, it's it's really now in a state where she's got two goals with a conservatorship. One, she has petitioned in various documents. She would like to have some freedoms restored. She also would really like her dad to have zero say over any of it. Um, and that's the other prong of this that yeah. uh, gets gets a lot of attention because that's where people's motives start to get called into question. And and I think that that's where this starts to also get incredibly, it's, it's complicated for, for, well, a lot of reasons, but the two big ones are, one, you are talking about mental health and that's always incredibly complicated. And two, you are talking about vast sums of money and who stands to profit off of that money. You know, there are other troubled stars like Amanda Bynes, um, others who, who have had to come under conservatorships of a sort. And you don't see quite this level of drama, frankly, because no one is expecting Amanda Bynes to continue going out there and make money. Got it. And then lastly, quickly, I really want to talk about <laughs> Tarek El Moussa is in love. All right. And um, very much so. Uh, he's in love with Heather Ray Young. She's uh, 33 years old. And of course, Tarek is a flip or flop fame on HGTV. And Heather took to social media, as many are wont to do. Um, but with her expression of love etched above her behind, she got a new tattoo <laughs> uh, that's basically saying, yes, sir, Mr. Al Musa, in cursive above her behind. Just really quickly, is this still a thing? Are, are behind? Well, I think you don't get a, a message like that where she got it if you care at all about what other people think of it. I mean, that, that message is clearly not for anyone but him. That, that tattoo is, you know, clearly mostly meant to be seen by him. Um, there are some uh, really unfortunate names for a lower back tattoo, and they're not fair. And actually, Amy Schumer, if you haven't read her book, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo, I urge you all to read it because it, it actually has a wonderful chapter about how she embraces the fact that she has a very large lower back tattoo and that it, it, it invites some judgment from a lot of people. Um, she might care a little bit about what the response is because as we've been talking here, uh, she took the picture of it off of her Instagram. Oh, you're right. It's, it's down. 
Well, yep, see, it, it wasn't, wasn't for, for us. us so X-Men. maybe she decided to, to keep it that way <laughs> and uh, just just keep it off of social media also. For sure. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Next up, I catch up with the wonderful Misty Copeland. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone can agree that ballerina, author, and I'll say activist in the arts, Misty Copeland is just a game changer. The first ever Black woman to become principal dancer for the American Ballet Theater, she's never taken her position lightly. First, second, or third position for that matter. (laughs) Get it? It's a a ballet joke. Anyway, she's the new face of Ford's Show Some Muscle campaign promoting strong women inside and out. And here with me now is the ever-graceful, ever-powerful Misty Copeland. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. Yes, the last time we saw each other, we were actually up at Camp Mariah, Mariah Carey's summer camp that she hosts for children. And you put on this beautiful performance for the kids in the cafeteria. It was so out of the blue. I even shocked my manager when I pulled my point shoes out of my purse. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, just, I brought them just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I always bring my point shoes just in case. <laughs> it was so amazing and the kids were so inspired. Um, it was just a cool evening to be up there. And it, and thinking back to it, it makes me think of how much I miss live performance and just how lacking the world is right now without it. How are you coping as a dancer? This is your lifeblood. It's absolutely insane. Um, You know, I've had so many injuries, severe injuries that have put me out for long periods of time, but I've never been away from the stage for this long and been away from the studio in a way that I couldn't really keep up with my training at the level that I've been used to doing it for 20 years of my professional career. It's been really difficult, but I've had a very full career. And so I'm just, I'm looking at all of the dancers that, you know, are just starting out or, you know, are finding their place and to have this happen. Like I can't imagine if I were at that point in my career. And so, you know, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I really was just trying to find ways that I could use my voice and my platform to help the ballet community. So um, I did start a relief fund called Swans for Relief that was a GoFundMe. Um, it's still active and you can still contribute to it. But I brought together 32 ballerinas from 22 different professional companies from 14 countries. And we all performed the same iconic 
classical variation just to really bring focus and to help raise funds for dancers that aren't, aren't getting paid still and, and we're not definitely at the time um, struggling just to keep food on the table. So That's so amazing. That Just having an impact and doing something with this moment that's helping them, that's so beautiful. And it's what you, you're known for. Yeah, well, you're known for your amazing work and your abilities, but also you're just an activist in this space and you've been able to create change in this world. I, I'm, I'm really wondering, how do you reconcile the two of those? Like, it feels like two jobs to me when I think of Misty Copeland. What I realized once I became a professional dancer, you know, I've clearly been aware of the fact that I'm a Black woman and my mother was very um, adamant about the way she raised me and my siblings. So we're biracial, that that's just how we're going to be viewed and treated by the world as Black people, no matter how Black we, uh, you know, how much we have in us. Um, But as a professional dancer, that's when it really all hit me, just how rare this world of ballet was that I was not expecting, you know, growing up in a diverse area in, in Los Angeles, it gave me a different understanding of my purpose as a dancer. And so it never again was just me on stage as Misty, but me on stage as a Black woman representing my community, especially being the only Black woman at ABT for the first 11 years of my career. Um, I just always had a different understanding and outlook on um, the effect my career could have on the ballet world and on the Black community. So it's always felt like one in the same. For sure. And how has that felt in the wake of say, George Floyd, because you, you've seen like these these seismic shifts in all these different industries. Uh, how has that translated to ballet, if it has at all? Because that, as you said, has been was a space where there wasn't a lot of diversity. There never was. And I take it there probably wasn't a lot of talk about it until spokespeople like you come along and, and you and you take up the charge. But how does it look today in 2021? Yeah, uh, it's definitely, you know, been a part of my mission and a part of my existence is using all of the opportunities I have to be able to speak about my experiences and the experiences of people that I'm close to or that I know their stories. You know, even someone like a Raven Wilkinson who experienced extreme racism in the 1950s as a Black woman in an all-white ballet company me. Um, Even after 20 years of being very outspoken about the lack of diversity and racism in ballet, after George Floyd's murder, this was the first time that I felt a real shift in the care, in the way that the the ballet community was listening from within my own company, the conversations that are being had, an awakening, you know, within my own company members who I've known since I was 16 years old that are hearing me in a different way. It feels like the burden is being shared a bit more these days, which is Awesome. Um, Missy, I, I want to talk about you You joining and you joined in with Ford um, to kind of promote the voices of strong women and excellent person to, to, to do that. Um, but tell me a little bit about the mission behind that. Like, how are you giving these women this platform? And is there someone in particular that really just touched you? There's too many. No, there's so many incredible women. Like I, I often say they're the backbone of, of me, of who I am and, and why I'm in this position. It just made complete sense to join forces with Ford and the Mustang Mach-E. First of all, it's a stunningly beautiful car. It's electric. It was designed by a woman. Um, so many things that are just aligned with, with me and, and who I am and what I stand for. But to be able to um, encourage women to share their own stories, um, their stories of strength, you know, whether they're mothers or students, 
students or teachers, uh, car designers of muscle cars. Like it's showing that muscle doesn't have to be, um, you know, this outward masculine thing. I mean, it can be for women as well. But, you know, I think that what women possess is this incredible inner strength, ability to have empathy and give of themselves, be incredible friends and mothers and mentors. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned before, Raven Wilkinson was definitely that for me, experiencing, um, you know, being chased out pretty much of her company by the KKK in the 1950s um, and to still have so much love and pride and being a ballet dancer and coming back to America after a career in Europe, um, to me, shows incredible strength and muscle. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to look deeper into her. I didn't know her full story, so that's awesome. Uh, speaking of, of your muscle, like like in the literal sense, like how are you just keeping up your your exercise and all in a virtual world? Like I'm trying to picture you like trying to spin and not bump into your laptop. Like as you're like, how are you doing this? Well, there's there's a bit of that happening. Um, no, it's 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 difficult. You know, I'm 38 years old now, and the body is definitely very different from you know when I was 28. Uh, and still so, 28. But okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's been, um, just being creative, which I think, um, I think artists of course are, and will find ways to persevere and find ways to execute their craft. I mean, obviously it's difficult if you don't have the right flooring and the space to do it, but you know, we're making do with what we can, but I think as human beings, we're so much more adaptable than we give ourselves credit for, but, um, I'm in the worst shape of my life. I must say (laughs) right now, it's really, really difficult, but I do zoom Pilates classes. I do zoom ballet classes. Um, I occasionally will rent a studio, you know, by myself, which is really, difficult to find the motivation when you're in a room by yourself but you know it's it's a part of the journey and um and I love a challenge so I, you just got to keep moving forward awesome awesome so you have a uh, bunheads your book you have master classes uh, television Broadway all of these different things if it wasn't ballet if it wasn't ballet what would Misty Copeland throw herself into I, I believe that I would have found something creative. Um, just thinking of myself as a child before ballet came into my life, um, I was always drawn to music. That's what made me feel uh, whole. It, it was healing and, uh, you know, a lot of trauma that I experienced in my childhood and the environments I grew up in. So um, I don't know what that would look like. Maybe I would be a writer. Um, you know, I did a lot of journaling from a young age. It's how I expressed myself before dance. Um, but I also enjoy at this point cooking. That's awesome. And and we're all spending more time on the internet as well. So my last little question is, your favorite TikTok dance trends. Do you have any? See, I need to go. I need to go learn this stuff because I don't, I'm like, I'm so not up on it at all. What I can say is it's, to me, like it just shows the power of art and dance to be able to heal and, and bring people together in times like this. And I know it may seem silly, but like that's what TikTok has done. And I think that's just like the beauty and power of art and dance and music. And um, I got to go learn a TikTok dance because I don't know any and I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> Savage. Did you start with Savage? I cannot wait okay. to see it. I do. Okay. I know of it, but I never learned it. <laughs> awesome. Missy, thank you so, so much for being with me. Thank you. So great to see you again.
That was Misty Copeland. For more on her, head over to people.com. And before you jump, something to make you smile. There's a new royal baby in town, or in the town, as Bridgerton's Lady Whistledown would say. (laughs) But there's no scandal here. Queen Elizabeth's granddaughter, Princess Eugenie, and husband Jack Brooksbank shared a sweet photo on Instagram revealing they welcomed a healthy baby boy weighing in at eight pounds, one ounce, just today. Congrats to them, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. 